Mobile Hunters, our buddies over at Tethered are always innovating to keep us more mobile and in the game when it counts. From the Tethered One Sticks, the Fast Pack, to the Ultra Lock Saddle, Tethered is always designing to increase comfort and utility while reducing bulk, weight, and fiddle factor of mobile hunting gear. And now, they've outdone themselves yet again by creating the Carbon Fiber Forged Predator CFX Platform, the lightest fully featured mobile saddle platform that raises the bar for what's possible in mobile hunting gear. Whether you're new to saddle hunting or an old tree climbing veteran, go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting gear. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 375. Today, I'm joined by Steve Smallridge to talk about playing with house money, travel hunts, and hunting big water. So stay tuned. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. I hope you're doing well. hope you are feeling fine and hope everyone has uh, recovered and maybe even took a day off from work on Monday to recover from the Super Bowl. Monday after the Super Bowl, I think it's well known. That is the most frequently taken off day from work. Um, people just like to party hard during the Super Bowl. I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't typically party hard for the Super Bowl. Uh, just hung out with the fam. Didn't have a rooting interest. Really just kind of use it as a day, an excuse to eat some bad food or eat some food that I like to eat, but shouldn't eat. So, you know, like pizza and wings and maybe I'll have a malt. Maybe I had a, a malted beverage or two while I watched the game. Um, but yeah, no rooting interest. So just kind of use it as a, as a chance to hang out with the, uh, the, the wife and the, uh, and the kiddo. Um, next weekend, I'm, I'm super stoked. Actually, what I have going on is I'm headed to my buddy's place in Jersey. Uh, he's actually from Michigan. He's a youper. Um, and then he moved to Jersey years ago. And he's a traditional, he's been a traditional bow hunter for a long time. And, um, last year when I started dabbling with it a little bit, he, you know, sent me a text and just said, Hey, you know, when you're ready, you know, and you, you know, do some playing around with the bow that you have at the house and stuff like that. And you want to build an arrow, let me know, you know, come down to my place. We'll build you an arrow and get you set up, you know, with something that's going to fly accurately for you. And then I can get you know, some arrows built. So I'm actually going to take him up on that and going to head to his place next weekend. I'm my buddy, Todd Freeman. I've had him on the podcast before. Um, and he's going to help me, you know, build an arrow for either my recurve, you know, cause I've got two of them here at the house that I, that I shoot. I just shoot really close just to kind of feel the vibe, if you will. And, um, and so I'll go to his place, <clears throat> take one of my recurves, the one I prefer to shoot. And then I'm going to shoot his longbow as well and kind of decide which one I want to shoot and kind of practice with. Um, and then we'll, be, we'll build an arrow for whichever bow kind of speaks to me, if you will. And then, you know, then I'll be looking, you know, I'll just be shooting every day or as frequently as I can to see if I can't add that to my arsenal this year. And then I'll look forward to the day that when, when, uh, you know, my, my custom Bushman longbow is built and I have it in my hands. I have no clue when that'll actually happen, when I'll actually, you know, get it, um, and things of that nature at this point. But, uh, whenever it does show up, I'll be, uh, I'll be super stoked. But with that, we're going to go ahead and just jump into today's show. Have my buddy, Steve Smallridge on Steve is from Michigan. And the way we met was just online. Um, he was one of the guys that actually reached out to me after I won my first jujitsu tournament and told me congrats. You know, I, I had known of him online and stuff like that, had followed some of his stuff previously. Um, but he reached out and just said, Hey, congratulations on your first, um, on your first win and, uh, or your first, you know, tournament, um, gold. 
and uh, he's a black belt. He's competitive and stuff. And he's also a diehard deer hunter, um, just an outdoorsman hunter in general. And we just kind of hit it off. And so had him on the show. And um, what we really kind of talk about was, um, is, is this idea a little bit around whether you're bow hunting or whether you do competitive sport, you know, when you start to reach certain small milestones along the way, you know, and it might not even be when bow hunting, it might not be like, you know, I killed my target buck or I, you know, filled this particular tag. It might be that you're reaching smaller goals, you know, that you've kind of set for yourself. And when you do that, a lot of times, you know, you get to a point to where you're almost playing with house money, right? Where you've kind of achieved something and now you kind of let your inhibition kind of go and just kind of let it rip, if you will. Right. And that was kind of my season this year. And I kind of, I kind of credit the success that I had to a degree was just, you know, letting things kind of rip. I had plenty of historical data and stuff like that, but it was just letting things rip. Um, and so we talk a lot about that. We talk a lot about, you know, his travel hunting, like how he's gotten into travel hunting and how it's kind of upped his game. And then we also talked about this interesting idea of, um, you know, becoming a, you know, a black belt of deer hunting, if you will. Right. And we had an interesting kind of take on it. Um, that I just thought was kind of an interesting way to kind of frame things. And it, and it might help people kind of think about where they're at in their hunting journey and maybe be, maybe give themselves a little bit more grace. Um, and maybe think about, you know, the level that they're at or the level they're, they're aspiring to get to it a little bit, uh, a little bit differently. So with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into today's show. As always, thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the truth from the stand deer hunting podcast. And today I got on a fella. So so it's funny because I started, I think I started following you. I think it was, I want to say it was probably like two years or so ago. And it, what was kind of crazy was that when I started doing jujitsu and I made like a, my first jujitsu post or whatever, you were one of the first guys that kind of responded, you know, and it was, it was kind of cool. Cause I wasn't sure how many people who like followed the podcast or whatever were actually jujitsu, uh, jujitsu practitioners. Right. And so I was stoked to see that I had like some guys on there who were already kind of into it that were like had very similar interests uh, to me. But I'm having my buddy on uh, Steve Smallridge uh, hailing from Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yep. Yep. Stickler Shores, Michigan. Nice. Are you uh, are you licking your Detroit Lions wounds today? Well, I, uh, I'm not a, I'm not a big football guy, but I did. Uh, I did actually watch the game last night. Yeah, I went to bed. There's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, Lions, you, I don't know. I from what I what I've seen about the Lions, it's not uncommon for them to do what they did last night. Right, right. So I'm a, <laughs> I'm a I'm a Steeler fan by like birth and by any other uh, measurement. Um, but I I was rooting for Detroit only because you know they've not had a championship and. You know, and they're very ever. much similar. Yeah, ever, but they're very similar. I, I mean, I grew up watching Barry Sanders, and I loved watching Barry Sanders. And to me, if he just would have had the same or even close to the type of, um, you know, teammates, I guess we'll say, as, you know, Emmett Smith did. Like, to me, like, Barry Sanders is the best running back I've ever seen in my life. Like, and I, I was – I'm old enough to have watched the very end of Walter Payton – and I saw all of Sanders, all of Emmett Smith. That was like, you know, when I was growing up, you know, I never watched Jim Brown play, of course. Uh, Earl Campbell never really watched him play. Uh, he was before my time. But even in watching highlights, like Barry Sanders to me was always the best running back that I had ever seen. And so kind of 
I've always kind of had a soft spot for Detroit. That and Pittsburgh and Detroit aren't very, they're very similar cities, very like Rust Belt, you know, yeah. manufacturing, yeah. you know, yep. and so a lot of the same kind of blue collar. Um, so I was feeling for all my, all my Michigan folks last night while I was watching, while I was watching the game. Yeah. 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 It was a little, little somber going into work today, everybody. It, no one's happy in Detroit right now. Right. right. <laughs> nice, man. So man, before we get things kicked off, dude, just, you know, we're going to talk some hunt. We're just going to go all over the place. Um, before we jump into that, let people know that are listening a little bit about you, just like to break the ice, like where you're from, what you do for a living, just like that kind of stuff. So they have some context. Yeah. Uh, I'm from, uh, Sinclair Shores, Michigan, uh, just kind of outside of Detroit. Uh, I am a local 98 plumber and, uh, I'm a black belt in jujitsu and, uh, avid hunter outdoorsman. Nice, man. So would uh, outdoorsman, I, I, would you say, are you, uh, let me just ask it this way. What's your forte? Like if you had to pick like a season to hunt, like what are you, what are you picking? Cause I know you, I would, cause you, da- you, you hunt. I, I see two very specific things for you, like in terms of, in terms of hunting. And I'm just curious, like which one you, which one you lean toward? That's a tough one. So Michigan's uh, deer season archery runs from October 1st to uh, November 15th. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I also do is like some out of state stuff, mm-hmm. but right around November 15th, something in me flips a switch and it's ducks. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll deer hunt a little bit after November. That's our gun opener. I'll hunt opening day and then I'm chasing ducks out on the big water usually. Nice. Oh. Yeah. I got introduced, a buddy of mine, Wilson, introduced me to duck hunting and goose hunting. And I'd never done it until I was probably in my thirties. Um, and it was, it was some of the most fun I think I, I ever had hunting like full stop. Like even like, I love bow hunting. That's, that's my thing. You know, that's my jam. I love it. Um, and, and it's fun, but it's a different kind of fun for me. Duck hunting was, or in, in just bird hunting in general, was a type of fun that was, um, for me at least was low pressure, very communal, um, you know, target rich environment. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and so it was just a blast going out and hunting and I, I don't do enough of it. I need to, I need to do more of it, but what's, what kind of makes you gravitate toward ducks? Like what's the, what's the answer? Is that something you just always did growing up or? Uh, no, actually I didn't start. I didn't, I started bow hunting when I was like, I think 12 in Michigan, mm-hmm. you were allowed to start when you were 12 back in the uh, early 2000s, 90s. Mm-hmm. But um, I uh, started duck hunting. I met a guy in uh, plumber school, actually, and uh, he was, that's all he did. He didn't deer hunt at all. Mm-hmm. So he ended up talking me into going duck hunting. And I think this is probably like my 11th season now of mm-hmm. duck hunting. And uh, honestly, what kind of drew me to it was being able to, you can kind of bullshit with your friends when you're duck hunting. You know, mm-hmm. it's not. It's a different kind of torture than sitting in a tree <laughs> with your thoughts, you know, right. instead you're, I mean, and then certain kinds of duck hunting, like a lot of the stuff we do is actually kind of dangerous, you know? Mm. So that, that little danger element kind of makes it fun sometimes too. You know, right. Being danger, of, how, just because of the, how big the water is, is that the. Yeah. Yeah. We do a lot of big water stuff. So, yeah. um, obviously we keep, keep it safe, but it can get, it can get dicey out there sometimes out on, uh, Lake St. Clair and, uh, Lake Erie. Right. Is it just that, the I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I'm a little crazy, I guess, because I, I enjoy that part of it sometimes. Right. Is it, um, 
is it the distance you're traveling for sure or what makes it dice? I mean, I know the big water is just like it's it's bigger. It's got kind of a life of its own and stuff like that. But aside from that, is it like the distance that you're going from shore and, and shit like that? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes the distance from shore and then the lake can kind of flip a switch on, you know, sometimes. And uh, yeah, it, I, I've sank a boat out there before. It's just, I don't know. It's oh, hard geez. to explain. You got to try it. <laughs> Especially, I mean, well, like, like I, I, I think... Yeah, yeah, I was you just definitely say, like I need to make a trip to Michigan. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll definitely do safe. that. How did you how did you sink a how did you sink a boat? Uh, we were out on Lake St. Clair on New Year's Eve. So there's a there's a waterfall waterfall season ends at a certain day and then it opens back up for two days. It's usually around New Year's weekend, and uh, just was bad wind, bad decisions. Uh, we were getting into a lot of birds that we didn't get to, we don't get to see very often. You know, we had a lot of like canvas backs and stuff moving in and uh, just kind of got blind to what was going on around us. And next thing you know, we ate a couple waves over the bow and uh, flipped <laughs> my, my brand new boat. It was like, and uh, oh, had to, we, we didn't swim to shore. We kind of like jumped into shore with the waves. We were probably like a couple hundred yards offshore. The lake had already frozen over yeah. completely at that point and then thawed. It thawed right before the split. So it was about as cold as the water could be. And it was definitely a scare. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the, uh, that's the old natural cold plunge right there. Right. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> yep. yeah. The, I've had, a, I've had wanna... too, too many involuntary ice baths in my lifetime. <laughs> nice, man. Nice. So how was, uh, how was your deer hunting season this year, man? How, how did things shake out for you? Because you oh, were in Michigan, oh, obviously Michigan, but you were, you were in Ohio too, right? Yeah, we started off in Ohio. Um, I kind of got my ass kicked in Ohio uh, leading into our, honestly, I got my ass kicked in Michigan too to, this year until I went to Kentucky and then we hit, we had some fun in Kentucky. Um, I ended up, I, I shot a, I shot a small buck and I shot a doe in Kentucky and then uh, I shot mm-hmm. another doe in Michigan uh, the day before Christmas Eve. So. Mm-hmm. Nice. Got a little, got a little meat in the freezer. What was, uh, what was the, uh, the challenge of the season? What was the, uh, just, I mean, I'm, I'm all too familiar with getting, getting my ass kicked. This was like the first year that I had like a, a banner year, but usually that's, <laughs> that's the exception and not the rule for me. So I'm very familiar. So what, what was the challenges for you this year? Honestly, for me, it was just, I just wasn't seeing deer no matter, it seemed like no matter what I was doing, it was a cat and mouse and I was losing, you know, um, I, did a couple trips in Ohio and just saw nothing. And it, it was kind of my fault for uh, kind of hunting some spots, like hunting historical spots that I have experience with and expecting things to happen the same way that they have in the past, you know? But mm-hmm. um, right, right. I think, I think uh, the area we were hunting in Ohio kind of gets beat to hell because uh, it's a CWD mm-hmm. zone. So it opens up like two weeks mm-hmm. before the rest of the state. And they have like extra rifle seasons and stuff too. So I just, I think people are starting to catch on on that area in general. It seemed like pressure was way up. And then I don't have any excuses for Michigan. <laughs> it was just Michigan. <laughs> right, right. It's, I feel like Michigan is very similar to Pennsylvania where I always say like, I consider a good year in Pennsylvania when I have it, if, if I have at least one encounter with a good buck, like a, you know, what I would classify for me personally as a shooter buck, you know, if I, if I do that in Pennsylvania, that to me is kind of a, a win just because I've gone too many seasons of, 
you're just not seeing one that I would pull my back, my, my bow back on, on any of them, you know? And so is that kind of, do you feel kind of the same way? It's like, I think people who aren't from Michigan or Pennsylvania or, or New Jersey, some of these high pressure States, cause there are, there are others that, you know, if you've never been to those places or hunted those places, it's like, you, you just don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, no one really gets excited to hunt Michigan or PA, you know, it kind of like, uh, but I don't know. I, I love hunting in Michigan. Uh, I, it doesn't take much to get me to pull my bow back in, in Michigan though. <laughs> I'm not, right. I'm not super picky, you know? Um, right. Yeah. I don't know. Nice. I, I only got so much time in the woods. So. Right. Yeah. No, that's the thing too, man. I think a lot of people, you know, when I hear people kind of, I don't want to say complain, but you know, just lament maybe their lack of success or, you know, whatever the case is, I'm always quick to kind of point out, but like, man, like, you know, if you only have but a couple days, you know, like your expectations might be a little out of whack, you know, because yeah, I always, I always kind of tell this story and I've said it multiple times and people listen to the show is probably sick of hearing it, but I had a chat with Zach Farinball the one day and he's in the woods all the time. Right. And this is probably two years ago. And he said during the course of that year, and it was a year that like those guys had kind of a down year of, of killing, of killing deer by their standards, you know, um, and what was that 20, was 2021, the, right? Is, yeah. 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 I think that was the year. And, and he was behind a camera or a bow or a gun. So he was on hunts in some capacity for a hundred days during deer season. And he was, <laughs> he was part of, of one buck getting killed one, you know? And so when you're talking about a 1% odds, you know what I mean? Like for a guy who's in the field that often, it's like, you have to contextualize, man. It's like, if you're, if you're a normal guy and you can only get out, if you're real lucky, maybe you get out 10 days a year, you know what I mean? During bow season, you know, or whatever yeah, the case yeah, is. Yeah. It's like, man, that's a lot. You know what I mean? Like, and like, if you, if you kill a deer in those 10 sits, man, it's 10%. It's a 10% kill rate. Like that's pretty good, you know? And a lot of, and that's just not super realistic. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Like what well, I got I, stopping November 15th, I got 45 days to get it done in Michigan. And I uh, typically, I, the property I have access to is an hour from my house so I can, I can hit it after work. It, but really, I mean, I don't really start doing that until the rut. So I guess I, I hunt twice a week, you know, during the week. And then I'm also trying to do jujitsu and work full time, you know? So, right. Uh, if, right. And like, I don't know if, if the right deer walks in front of me, it, sorry. Right. Uh, it's it's going to, it's going to get, nice. it. and, and there's people argue like, just shoot a doe. And it's like, well, I would, if I saw one, but I didn't. I shot right. Him. Right. <laughs> what, uh, what, um, what type of places are you hunting in Michigan? Like what's the terrain like? Is it, cause I mean, I know some of my buddies that hunt there, you know, some of them hunt like big woods areas, you know, and then some of them are hunting a lot of swamps and stuff like that. And so I know there's a lot of kind of diversity in Michigan. So I'm just curious, you know, what type of areas you're hunting? Well, uh, I mean, I, I kind of grew up hunting state land up North, which is just big woods, you know? Um, mm -hmm. but nowadays, now that I have a blessed to be able to hunt this piece of property with a couple of buddies, it's, uh, what I think it's 120 acres and I think 60 of it is just woods. It just got clear cut for the first time in like 15 years, uh, last year. So it's just down trees everywhere, swampy, no trails, no nothing, you know, kind of been mm -hmm. kind of trying to fix it up over time, you know, and learn, learn the property. I think it's my fifth year out there. 
But uh, yeah, so I guess you just call it ag and deep timber. Yeah. Right. Nice. That so, cutover is going to be. When was that? When was that cut? Was it cut just recently? It was. It was. Uh, they were just. Well, actually, it was last September, not this past September, mm-hmm. twenty twenty two September okay. is when they cut it. So I think this year, what do they say? Three years or something is when it's supposed to start kind of greening back up. Primo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we did, we did have, I I did, I saw the biggest buck I saw this year personally was probably 140. uh, But other than that, the, the, uh, maybe a couple 120s running around the property, but lots of, uh, Mm -hmm. I haven't killed a buck in Michigan in two years. I've been actually being good and passing, passing smaller deer. So it's getting a little better right there. Well, yeah. I mean, whenever you, when you have a place that you can do a little bit of work and you can, you know, you know, I don't want to say manage, but you can, you know, try to get a couple, you know, up and comers through to the next year to give them a, ch- give them a chance and stuff like that. You know, like that's always, you know, it, it's, uh, I guess what I find is that when people have that opportunity, they usually take it right. Like as far as like, if I you know if I have a 120 inch year old, or 120 inch deer, and it's a property that I have a little bit of control over, you know, the odds of me shooting that deer this year, if I know, if I have a, especially if it's late in the year and I'm like, mm, man, he could get through like my dad's place is a good example. He's got 60 acres and my father-in-law has like 280, I think that I've hunted. I haven't hunted it in some years, but when I did hunt that, or even now, like my dad will send me pictures of stuff and like, Hey, why don't you come back and hunt this, hunt this buck? And I'm like, you know what, if he makes it through this year, he has one that this year that I watched uh, that he was, he'll sit out on his porch and watch him come out and like to his yard and stuff like that. Cause it's out in the middle of freaking nowhere. And he lives up on top of this mountain. And, um, I didn't hunt there this year, but he showed me a picture of that deer that he took literally with his phone coming across his yard, like after gun season was over. And I was like, I'll probably be back next fall to hunt. Right. Because like <laughs> that deer, like, yeah, made it through, you know what I mean? And I'm like, is, and he's a really good buck. And I was like, you know, I'll come back and hunt next year because, you know, especially I put a couple of truck cameras out if I know he's around, you know, and that, and I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or what, man. And I'd just be curious on your perspective of this, but I enjoy like the hard grinding travel hunts, you know, like whether you're going to Ohio or wherever I happen to be going or whatever the case is. But there's part of me now, it's like, as I'm getting a little older where, you know, my dad doesn't hunt a whole lot anymore but he would if I would go back, you know? And so I feel like I need to, I need to kind of go back and hunt with him a little bit. And so he gets out and, and just to, cause just to have that experience, like I used to have whenever I was a kid, like hunting with my old man, you know, cause you don't know how many opportunities you ever get of that when you get a little bit older. And so part of me now is like, okay, there's a good deer back there. I can go back and hunt with the old man, stay at his place, you know, have a couple beers afterwards and just kind of have a good time, you know? So I don't know if you feel kind of the same way as you're getting older, like, does it get a little bit more sentimental or does it mean something different to you than it used to? Yeah, I guess I'm only what I'm only on like my third or fourth year of traveling. So uh, I, I think Mm -hmm. I'm still kind of, it's kind of really starting to really enjoy it. You know, like I don't, it's hard to uh, like I I actually I actually sat with my dad and hunted for the first time in years. I sat and hunted with him um, this past season and it was great. But like I don't know, getting those out of state tra- trips is kind of what I'm living for right now. Getting to spend a week with the boys, learn new new states. You know, we we've done Missouri, Kentucky, mm-hmm. Ohio now, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just for me, it's just fun learning new spots and it being able to just wander. 
you know, and uh, mm-hmm. you you got one week to kind of figure an area out. Uh, I feel like I yeah. just learned so much more than I do hitting the same spots, same pieces, you know, sit in the same stands uh-huh. kind of deal that I've been doing my whole life. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Like that's that for me was like the biggest kind of you know jump probably for me in terms of just becoming a better hunter and growing as a as a hunter was when I started just traveling and like you said just going to a place and saying hey I'm giving myself five days seven days whatever it happens to be I'm gonna see what I can figure out you know and then if you go back a couple times you start to kind of put pieces together and it becomes I don't want to say easier but you at least are dealing with a little bit more you know information I now do you do any scouting before you head to those places because I used to like when I first started doing it and now I basically, whenever I go somewhere, if it's not a place I've been previously, I go in completely blind, like don't know anything about the spot. And I just kind of go in and, and, and go out and get at it. Yeah. Like I know, um, Ohio, I did a lot of scouting, uh, turkey hunting. I'd go down there turkey hunting and, uh, cover a lot of ground in the spring. And then, uh, I went to a, uh, jujitsu event down in, uh, I think it was like Cincinnati or something. And I drove right through where I, uh, normally, uh deer hunt just spent a few hours scouting so i guess ohio is easier for me because it's like two hours but i'm not i'm not driving to missouri to go <laughs> right. you know right yeah yeah, yeah. i wish i, hear, I, I wish I, I yeah for sure i mean maybe if i uh yeah i didn't do all the other stuff i do you know yeah you gotta you gotta definitely pick your pick your battles it's interesting too like i just like to travel like the things that i'm interested in i just like to experience them in different places with different people so like in hunting i like to go to these different states because one i've never been there before it's you know a little bit of a new you know new experience learning curve uh pressure's a little bit different topography terrain might be a little bit different and i kind of I kind of get a good sense of like where my skills are at because, you know, like you said, like when you hunt the same places over and over again, like I kind of, I start, I think I, I, this is like my own mental game, but it's like, I start to think I'm fooling myself. I'm like, man, I got things figured out and I'm getting better, but I'm like, am I really, or do I just have like really good institutional knowledge of like the places that I'm going? And is that why? Right. And so the funny thing is, is like, I started doing it, you know, not to the extent that you do, but I started doing it with jujitsu where it's like, you start to learn the guys in the room with you and it's like, I know what he likes to do. So I just, I'm not going to give him his a game, you know, and I'm going to defend like all the stuff that I know he wants to do. And then am I actually getting any better? Or am I just getting better at like defending this stuff that he likes to do? I'm sure I'm getting better, but then I'd start traveling for work or whenever I travel to hunt, if there's a place I can drop into and train, then I like to see how do I do against guys that, or in a tournament that have no clue what I do for my game. And I have no clue what they do. Right. And it's just, how, how much do I trust my jujitsu? It's almost like the same in hunting where I'm like, how much do I actually trust my hunting? It, it's very, it's very similar. But one thing I've noticed with hunting and with jujitsu amongst uh, hundreds of other things, but, uh, sometimes I don't know, you, you that knowledge goes, it, it transfers. Like, uh, you know, quickly when you're rolling, if you roll, like I, I do a lot of like loop chokes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the other day I was at a different gym and I was rolling with somebody and, Within a half a second of him having a grip on my collar, I was like, oh, this is a loop choke guy. And I actually made a comment about it and he laughed and he's like, that's like my main move. And I was like, like, (laughs) so, so training with a guy who loves Kimuras, training with a guy who loves guillotines, like you learn how to just feel, you just instantly can tell that that's what they want. They want to do when you do it enough. So Mm -hmm. as long as you got a 
wide variety of training partners that like to try different stuff, it's kind of it's going to translate to visiting other gyms and tournaments. You know, right, right, same, yeah, and that's, same with deer hunting. You know, <laughs> right. And I was gonna say that's kind of like that's kind of been my experience where it's like I've gone there and it's like, and I could feel like, for example, I was rolling with a guy and um, he was a leg lock guy, and I didn't know that whenever we started, but like as soon as like as soon as I started playing guard and how he kind of tried to enter my guard, I was like, oh, he wants to he wants to get into a leg entanglement. Like I knew right away. Yeah, that's usually you know? pretty obvious. <laughs> but but I'm very new, right? So it's like you know, yeah. One stripe blue belt hero versus a black belt, right? So it's like sometimes I'm, you can just look at what he's wearing and you'll know he likes leg <laughs> if, he look, if he looks like a dork, you're like, oh, this guy's gonna touch my feet, right? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, it's funny because like when I roll with new guys, like immediately they're always like, oh, you're a wrestler. Like they'll literally say it while we start rolling. Like, oh, you wrestled. Yeah. Like that you can just yeah. tell by like the grips. You know what I mean? And uh, and I feel like the same way. You know, like you were saying with with deer hunting, like all that stuff all that stuff translates and it's, and it's because like you said, you have a wide range of, of training partners helps you kind of feel that stuff real quick. Right. Especially, I mean, you've got years of, and years of experience, so I don't feel that stuff nearly as quickly as you do, but in a hunting sense that traveling out of state and doing all that stuff and hunting, you know, for me, hunting plain States, hunting swamps, hunting mountains, hunting big woods, hunting small parcels, like all that stuff gives me this like wide training partners in hunting that way, whenever I go somewhere new that I've never been before, I usually have like a recall of something that I've seen somewhere in the past five, 10 years. I can go, oh man, this really feels or sets kind of sets up kind of like this place I was at in Missouri one time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of gives me a starting point, right? That's kind of, that's kind of what I did. Like, like honestly, when I go to Ohio, I kind of gravitate to areas that I am used to. Like, I don't like hills at all. <laughs> um, mm, I, okay. So like, I'm like, looking for ag fields uh transition lines like uh flat mm -hmm. you know even though i could go right. to hills and learn uh so i've just been right. doing that same thing so then when we just went to kentucky this year i almost killed a buck on the first night and ended up killing a doe the next day but uh i went right to field edge you know you know what i mean mm -hmm. like what what looked right. like bedding type of thing and just do what i always do and after i sh did that i was like all right now we actually ended up getting a piece of uh, permission on a private piece while we were nice. down there. And uh, it was all just like hills, no ag whatsoever. And I was like, sweet, I'm going to see if I can figure out how to kill a buck in here. And I, I mean, I, it was a six point, but uh, nice. I went, I kind of listened into podcasts, studying, learning, like kind of put the pieces together and realized like I'm on the saddle with what I think is mm -hmm. bedding here, rub line here. They literally came from where I thought that they would be betting and did exactly what they thought, what I thought they would do. And I was using the thermals with the wind and all that. Like it was just perfect. And I was like, cool. I'm glad I'm, I'm so much, I'm so much more proud of killing this buck here uh, than anything that I've shot on a farm in the past couple of years. You know, eating better is easy with factors, delicious, ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes, including calorie smart protein plus, which is the one I like and keto get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save 
We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. Right. Dude, that's awesome, man. Like that's, it is such a like sense of an accomplishment, right? Like whenever you go into a piece and you have very limited information and you play the scenario correctly and you play the wind correctly and all those things, because there's so many variables that we have to deal with just as hunters in general. And then you throw in the fact that like, you know, when you're traveling somewhere, especially new like that, it's like, we're like, I know jack shit about what I'm walking into, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And to fill a tag is just awesome, dude. So you had to have been feeling pretty stoked after that. Yeah. Yeah. Filling two tags. I was, I was very, I was very stoked. Uh, you know, uh, when I was only there for five days, you know, um, and then yeah. I got to film for my buddies, you know, so that's, uh, that's awesome. No, I was very, very happy with my season this year. All right. So I'm going to ask you a question here. All right. So on the stoked level, right? Shooting a buck on a, on a travel hunt in a place that you're unfamiliar with like that, right? Winning a, a black belt tournament or, or getting your limit on ducks on like a rare duck or a rare type of duck that you would hunt for your area. Okay. Um, yeah. on the, on the big wat on the big water. Like what's, what which kind, one, what kind of buck? which one like, like, like a nice buck or <laughs> Ooh. okay. Let's, let's say like, um, your best buck you've ever shot. My biggest buck I've ever shot. Uh, yeah. Let's I would say it's like, it would be the, of, if you yeah. killed it, it would be the big, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's number one. Uh, but then I yeah. guess the tournament, the tournament's close because I've only won. I think I, I've won a couple of super fights, but I think I've only got one gold medal at black belt now. I've only been a black belt for a year, but uh, yeah, I don't know if I if I win uh, at like an IBJJF Open at black or something that might that might top. It's not going to top my biggest buck ever, but it'll it'll top right. the six the six point I shot in Kentucky. That's for sure. <laughs> right, right, right. The uh, yeah, it's funny how we you know the passions that we have, how we kind of um, at different times they mean they mean more to us. Right. Um, you know, cause for example, like, yeah, I was talking to a buddy of mine. I was like, man, I had a great year this year. You know, um, you know, 2023 was pretty good to me. Um, you know, killed that buck in PA, which was awesome. That's something I wanted to get done, you know, on a kayak. I killed that hammer deer. Yeah. In I was going to say that was, a, that was, yeah. Yeah. You know, and then before that though, it was like, it, and part of it was, was that, the Kansas thing was like the pressure was off because like I shot one in Pennsylvania and that's kind of been the monkey that's been on my back. Cause I've been trying to kill one in this particular spot for like a couple years. But then also right before that I got my blue belt promotion in September, which for me was a big deal. You know, like I was super stoked on that. And after I got that, I was kind of like, man, hunting can whatever, dude. I was like, I yeah. achieved like a goal that I wanted to have, you know what I mean? Like I wanted to get this thing done, you know, and you, ne you never know when it's going to happen. And I was stoked that it happened when it, when it did. And, and so from there I was like, man, I'm playing with house money. Like 2023 has been great. And then I killed that buck in PA and I'm like, dude, got my promotion, got a, got a buck in PA and a kayak. And I was like, so when I went to Kansas, I was like, whatever, dude, I was like, we're just going to let it and rip. That's when it, that's, you know that's I mean? when it works out too, is when, you know what I mean? you you were just there enjoying it, you know? And 
no stress. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's yeah. that's when it's it comes so- together. It seems like. It's something like, cause I'm curious, man. Cause I feel like, you know, like that was that way for me for hunting this year was that I just felt like I was playing with house money the whole year. And so I was just willing to let it fly. And then, and I kind of almost feel, and again, I'm new in the jujitsu game, you know, compared, compared to you, but the last tournament I did, the first one I did, I went in with a little bit of apprehension. Um, and then the second one I did, I just kind of went in and it was like, I'm going to just do what I do and let it rip, you know, and see what happens. And I ended up submitting everyone I competed at least once. Cause some guys I had to, I had to, um, uh, had to compete with twice. And so like the one guy, like, yeah, I, I yeah. Yeah. So you did a grappling industry. One, the, yeah. 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 So the one guy I beat him in points and then I fought him in no gi and I submitted him in. No I, gi I hate doing that. If I, if I, if <laughs> I hate doing that, if yeah. I beat you once, I don't, I don't, and say like if you beat me all right if you beat me once today I'm done I don't want to lose again today <laughs> right 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 the uh, and so but I feel like is that do you feel kind of the same way like because when I feel like when I go into things and I'm just going to let it rip even when I roll with my coach because I'm always I don't know what it is like it's not as bad as it used to be but I used to go into rolls with him and I would be so self conscious of like wanting to not make mistakes and he's a fourth degree black belt right and like in sh- and show that like I'm picking stuff up and I'm not making stupid mistakes. And then I finally just You're got to, and part it. of it is yeah. too out of like respect. Like I don't, right. I don't want to do anything stupid because I want to be respectful because yeah. he's spending time rolling with someone who has no business being on a, on a mat with him. And, and then I just realized I was like, no, I should just let it rip and do what, and do the things that I, that I want to do and do the things that I know that I can do and in whatever, you know, and, and that's what he would want me to do. And as soon as I started doing that, my roles with him got, got way better. That's, that's when I've always done best in jujitsu. Like if I, if I overthink something or if I, even if I over prepare sometimes, like you just, you're, it's all on your head. You know, if you can sometimes like I've, I've had, I've had matches where like I got injured, like let's say it's like five weeks out and I got injured the, the first week, which seems to be pretty common for me. And, uh, so you, <laughs> by the time the match rolls around, you haven't really trained like you wanted to. And you're just kind of like, fuck it. Like, I'm doing my best mm-hmm. and it sometimes ends up being one of your best performance, you know? So that's what, that's yeah. like a lot of guys I know that I try to like convince to compete and stuff. They're like, Oh, I'm not ready. Or, Oh, I haven't been training hard or, Oh, I got injured. And I'm always like, dude, it's never going to be perfect. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's the, it works better, you know? Right. Hard to explain. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like hunting's the same way too. I feel like, oh, I feel yeah. like we have so Cause I feel like, I feel like we have so much buildup for hunting a lot of times, you know, because it's like the season, a specific time frame. Cause like competing wise, right? Like there's tournaments throughout the year, depending on, you know, what level you're at, the type of tournaments that you're willing to do and stuff like that. For, for a guy like me, it's like, I could compete every freaking week if I wanted to, there's enough like tournaments around that you could, you know, I could get to if I really wanted to. And, and so I think if you do that, it allows you to let it rip. Cause you know, well, if I don't like my result from this week or this month, I, I can go do it again next month, you know, and just keep doing it. And yeah. Getting better. Not with hunting and, and <laughs> next year. Right. And with hunting, <laughs> right next year. Right. And hunting has that specific yeah. kind of time frame where it's like, man, September's coming and you put all your eggs in that basket and you're just, you know, you, you it, the build up to it is so much that if you just remember, like, I don't want to say just let it rip. Like you want to be smart about it. Just like you want to, whenever you're competing, you want to be smart. You want to play your game. You want to, you know, have a plan, right. And things like that, but don't be afraid to go off your plan. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, that, I think that's the one thing that 
I learned probably the most from jujitsu that I actually apply to hunting is that I always like to have a plan when I go into a role, even with some of the guys I roll with when I train, it's like, I like to have like, like I know what kind of what they like to do. And I want to have at least a plan to like pass their guard or whatever the case is. And if I get into a certain spot, I know how I want to make sure I'm defending this because they like to do this. But that's just like a framework. And then like, once we get into it, I'm going to just kind of, I'm going to feel what's happening and just in, and roll with like, however things are kind of manifesting in the moment. Right. And I feel like going into hunting with a plan is great because it gives you, if you don't have an idea of what you're doing, you, you can get back on a course, right? You can get back on a yeah, path. Yeah. And, but you but, also are not going to predict what's going to happen. You know what I mean? To a T right. every time. And, right. And, and so, jiu-jitsu, you, your, your game yes. plan, go, if, if you plan on wrestling today and you slap bump and the guy pulls guard, it's like, oh, well, I thought, oh. <laughs> right. You know, or, yeah. Or, or, or you plan on wrestling and the guy takes you down and then you're like, oh, I guess I'm, I got to win this match off my back now. You know? Right. And yeah. Same with yeah. deer hunting. You're walk you're walking into your spot where you think a deer might be bedded trying to get close and you bump them out of there and you're like, oh, well, you yeah. gotta do something different now. You know? You gotta make it gotta make a different plan. Then having that plan is always nice that, you know, if you you're like, okay, now this happens, so I'm gonna execute X, Y, and Z off of it. I'm gonna maybe I'm gonna scout more today or like, hey, I think they're transitioned now to this particular bedding area because the pressure's coming, whatever the case is. You know, and you try those things and you exhaust them and you're like, okay, well shit, like none of that worked. Right. And so now what do I do? Well, you had a plan, go back to the plan. Like, where are you at in that plan yeah, now? And, st- yeah. and start and start from that again. Right. And it's the same. I feel like it's similar and it might just be because of where I'm at in my jujitsu journey and like, you know, newer to where it's like, I'll have a plan, I'll work it. And then when it changes, I'll roll with it. And then as soon as I get into a spot where I'm like, I'm lost, you know, like, I'm like, Oh man, I don't really know what's happening here. Then I'll go back to some very, very fundamental things, right? Like it always happens to me with guys that, that roll a lot of leg entanglements, right? Like I like doing leg entanglements, but like there's a couple guys at the gym that are really, really good at it. The one guy's, you know, a Brown belt, probably, you know, probably soon to get his black belt at some point. And, and we'll get into them and like, we'll start and I'll, I'll be kind of working for a heel hook and he'll be defending, letting me play. And like, we'll kind of roll a couple times and I'll, I'll, I'll try to get into like a saddle position or whatever. And then we'll roll again. And then I get, I get lost and I'm like, I have no clue. And all of a sudden now my foot's outside and now I just got heel hooked. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. you know, it's like, and I get lost in it. And that's like, what I'm learning is, is like, when that happens, like I got to have a plan and just make sure like at minimum I'm hiding my feet. You know what I mean? Whenever that happens. And in deer hunting, I feel kind of like it's the same way. It's like when shit goes haywire, like hide your feet or revert back to the the thing that you're really good at. Right. So it's like if you're really good at, you know, scouting and break and finding new areas, like go do that. If you're really good at hunting, you know, like hills, find some hills. If you're really good at hunting swamp, wherever you're at, find some swamp, like go back to like your bread and butter and kind of and kind of start again from there. Yeah. It's it, it it's always a lot worse when your opponent knows your plan too. Like if, if you're rolling with a black brown or black belt leg locker and uh, he he knows what your reactions are going to be, he's already a step ahead of you. Right. Same 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 goes if a deer if a deer knows <laughs> if he knows where you're accessing every day and he's been watching you. Yeah. Got to try something different. There's so <laughs> many there's so many parallels. It's crazy because that access piece yeah. is just is a hundred percent right, man. Because that's that's how you know. Um, 
the guys that, that, you know, that are advanced guys, it's, it's, they're not, they don't do stuff by accident. They, they know what's happening three, four moves in advance. You know what I mean? Like where you're going to end up and what your reaction is going to be to X, Y, and Z in the deer are the same way. Like you have to think about them. Cause someone asked me one time, I thought it was a really interesting question because they asked me what belt they thought they said, they just as they're like, Clint, what belt do you think you would be in deer hunting? And I was like, wow. I was, like, I was a, thinking about that today. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's a really good question. Cause I look at, I look at the deer and the deer are like coral belts. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. like, like creme de la creme. Right. And I was like, man, that's a re- really great question. I, I would probably if, if have you say to say you think you're a black belt in deer hunting too. You're kind of like, oh, am I? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, I had to think about it honestly. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm probably like an okay purple belt. I was no, like, you're I, definitely you're definitely a black belt in deer hunting only because I've <laughs> listened to you quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> and honestly, I've been deer hunting since I was 12. I would probably say I'm a black belt in deer hunting too. I'm just a shitty one, and right. I'm a, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a mediocre black belt in jujitsu. But you put a decade or more into something that you love and you're very passionate about, and you think about 24 seven. Right. You're gonna be a black belt in it. You just there's right. Dan Infault black belts and there's Steve Smallridge black belt, you know? That's a great way to think <laughs> about it, man, because I think the hardest part that people, when they think about deer hunting and, um, you know, the reason why I said I was a purple belt, and this is like, this is the wrong thing for me to do. Like, and you're, you're actually right. Is that when I think about deer hunting and I think, and now I said, you know, I'm an okay purple belt in deer hunting. And the reason being is because I was comparing myself to, to the Dan's of the world or the Andy Mays of the world or the Eddie Claypool's of the world and stuff like that. But the thing is, is that your, your capability isn't in, isn't in comparison to anybody else. And that's the same thing that like you have to learn in jujitsu or else it can make it miserable for you, especially like when people get promoted and like, you know, maybe someone started after you and, and they got promoted before whatever the case is, right? Like you can fall into that trap of man, like he's doing this and I'm still here. And it's like, but it's not a, how do you compare against with the person that you train with every day? Like that's not, no, it's your, you're a black belt version of yourself. Basically what it is. Like, right. uh, if I compared myself to Gordon Ryan, I would be a white belt. I would never, I would never get my black belt, but right. it like, obviously like black belt is a very broad spectrum. And mm-hmm. when you get your black belt, you're kind of like, okay, now I'm just the worst black belt in the world. And I'm going to try to get better at being a better black. Belt. Um, right. And, uh, yeah, I just, you, you can't, you, it's, you can't compare it to the best in the world. Sometimes it's about who you are as an individual, you know, right. are and you, are you the best version of yourself as a hunter as you're, you're, you're going to be with the time you're given the body you're given, you know, um, everybody has different, everybody has a different road, you know, different certain. That's so good, man. Like, and more people need to adopt that as deer hunters, man, because there's so many people who I think get downtrodden because they don't live in an area that maybe has the caliber of deer that they want to hunt or that they see other people hunting or whatever the case is, or maybe they don't have the amount of time that other people have like to go out. Right. Or, or, they, or they don't have, they don't have an uncle with 300 acres. You know what I mean? Like, what are, yeah. Whatever the case you can't is. Compare, right? You can't compare yourself to people like that. And right. Same goes for jujitsu. You can't compare yourself to people who are freak athletes, people who obviously there, but then you got the people who dedicate their entire life to mm-hmm. jujitsu and, they choose to be poor and live with a, in a house with five different dudes and right. really, really pursue their dream, which all of us are capable of doing. Me and you could move into, we could go buy a camper and go travel the country together and 
probably right. get better at deer hunting, but right. Uh, I don't know. We're, I'm married. You know? I would be divorced. <laughs> yeah, we'd, yeah. We'd, have to, we'd have to be living in that thing permanently at that point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah man. I mean, yeah, it's so funny, man. There's so many, there's so many parallels and there's so many good lessons that I've learned, you know, since I've started, you know, that have related to deer hunting that I actually truly, like, I think people think it's bullshit, but I a hundred percent think that it's made me a better, a better deer hunter. I think for nothing more than like, I think, I think I have a better perspective and a better outlook on what deer hunting and bow hunting means to me now than I had for the 10 years prior. Well, your first your first ten years of hunting, you probably didn't realize how much you were learning. And now that you're in, now that you've you're now that you're a black belt in hunting and you're starting jujitsu, you're realizing how you're learning exponentially fast. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's it's just kind of teaching you that you can do the same for hunting as far as learning and mastering your craft. You right. Um, yeah. There's the other thing that I always thought of too. I'd be curious to get your opinion on this. Like the when I was talking to my coach, you know, I had him on the podcast like a, probably like a year ago or something like that. And we were just kind of talking about the different belts and like what they, you know, what he looks for, like what they mean just in a general context and stuff like that. And, you know, capabilities that one might have at different levels. And, and I think about this stuff, like, like we're just talking related to related to deer hunting. And the one thing that struck me that he said, and and I kind of took it to heart and it was uh, something I started thinking about in relationship to, in relationship to, to bow hunting. And it's kind of something that you were just hitting on, which was, he said he felt like he wasn't any good at jujitsu whenever he became a black belt, that he felt like that was really the time that he then started learning jujitsu was when he became it's like a black star- belt. It's like starting over. Yeah, for sure. And it, bl- and it blew my mind because I was like, you know, as a person who's ascending, right? Like that's like, you look at it and go, man, I mean, especially when you roll with those guys, you're like, dude, if I could just be able to do a quarter of what that guy does, like that would be, I'd feel like I really accomplished something. Right. It's the same thing with bow hunting where it's like, you look at certain guys like, man, if I could just do, if I could have a quarter of the success or a 10th of the the successes Eddie Claypool has had in his life, like, man, like I would really be, really be doing something. And I started thinking about it going, well, that's kind of where I'm at in deer hunting. Like that, that, you know, skill level or that kind of place that you get where you've like, you've got the fundamentals, like, you know, all these things, right. It really gives you the license to now truly explore and become an artist with it. Right. And that's where the art kind of comes in. And that's when you see the guys, like we were just mentioning, like the Dan's and stuff like that, like what they do isn't so much deer hunting as it is almost like an artistry of chasing critters, you know, cause it's not linear at all. Right. I think and there's when we not first, a, there's more than one way to do it too. Right. You know? Because I think when you start bow hunting, like you're looking for the linear path of like of deer beds here, he eats here, intercept at Y. Right. And I think when you start jujitsu, you're learning moves. You're learning this is how I do an arm bar, right? And this is how I get into the right position and I hold the arm like so and then I, you know, finish this technique this way. But then as you advance, you realize I mean, I could hit that from a hundred different places from, a, from a, in, in a hundred different kind of positions. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And then bow and bow hunting is the same way where it's like, I just need to know where they're bedded and where they're and where they're feeding. And I might not even need to know all that because it's just going to be a process of me figuring it out along the way. Right. And that's the part that you fall in love with is that part. And when you fall in love with that part, sky's the limit. 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah, and then what? Once you learn the way, you see it in all things too. You know, my the God, five rings. You know, yeah, that is that is the that is the truth. And people think it's you know, foo foo, but I'm like, man, it's not. You start to see it everywhere. You know, yeah. If and, you uh, if you don't if you don't see the correlation, you've never mastered anything in your life. <laughs> you know, right? What yeah, because it doesn't have to be jujitsu or whatever. It's just the mastery yeah, of something. Yeah. Like you start to see like the principles that apply. Yeah. Right. Yep. And and someone I was I forget who I was doing the podcast with and um shoot I wish I could remember who it was but we were talking about like foundational skills and that was the one thing like that really was eye opening for me was it Tony was, Peterson. It might have been Tony. I thought it was more recent than that, though, because I have, he oh. hasn't been on in a little while. But we were just talking, whoever it was, we were just talking about, you know, whenever you meet an expert in anything, football, hunting, baseball, jiu-jitsu, basketball, you know, whatever it happens to be, running a business, whatever it is, they're usually not about the flash, it's usually like a lot of substance and a lot of foundational things that they do flawlessly on a daily basis. Right. And that's the thing that gives them success. And then if they need to kind of turn up the wow factor for something, because you know, an opportunity presents or it's what needs to be done, then they have that tool in their tool bag, but it's not their go-to, you know? And I think about like all the guys who kill deer consistently, big deer consistently. It's like, man, they just do the fundamentals really, really well all the time. And they don't make a lot of mistakes doing them. Yeah. You know, and yep. and you could think the same way with like a Hodger Gracie, like the dude won five world championships with the freaking cross with cross choke. chokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, like you learn yeah. it as you learn it as a white belt. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's like week two. If it ain't cross don't fix it. Yeah, and yeah. the and the guy when you when he talks about it, he just says that. Yeah, it's, you learn it as a white belt. Like in the first month that you do jujitsu, he was like, but the small little details that make it unstoppable, I spent a lifetime perfecting. Yeah, I don't know. How, I don't know how he does it because cross chokes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, cross chokes suck, man. I don't know. I, anytime yeah. try, someone tries to do one, I laugh at him. I've never, right. I can't remember the last time, but but I know Hodger Gracie's gonna cross choke me. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But that's the point. It's like, what's your cross collar choke for a deer hunter? For you know what I mean? Like that's like, what is your go to? What is your bread and butter that you can do it? A 30 out six in a corn pile. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I, I was I was thinking that like I was actually thinking like so what's your what's your bread and butter for for hunting like you know when you're going to a new piece and you have to figure it out and you're on short time like what is what are you going to like as far as like a an approach depends on the time of year mm -hmm. um, like if it's if it's on a rut trip I'm usually just looking for anything that's fresh scrapes mm -hmm. transitions you know mm -hmm. uh, trying to guess where the food is in relation to where the wind is blowing and where other people are accessing. I put a lot of thought into accessing um, mm -hmm. opposite directions, you know? Mm -hmm. yep. So I guess honestly, just covering ground until something, something strikes my fancy, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think, I think my, uh, my cross collar choke of, of bow hunting would be scrapes, like community scrapes. Like that's yeah. the thing. That's the thing that I can dial in you know, and I spend time in the off season finding it, but I don't spend a ton of time. Like I kind of have a process now, even for like how I find my found, like my foundation, you know what I mean? To where it's like, I can do it kind of quick and I'll know pretty quickly whether or not they're worth my time or not, you know? And, and your, that's my, your understanding of scouting 
blows my mind when I hear you talk about it sometimes. I'm like, man, it's, it's just like it's just a lot you, of trial and error, man. You know, it's just yeah. time time doing it in lots you know, of time. And well, it's just similar, you know, you know, it's similar to like a person who's a purple belt trying to ascend to become a black belt when they start to sharpen their toolkit, right? Because they know jujitsu now. It just becomes what is your game and what are you going to spend your time becoming, you know? Yeah. What What do you need to add? Is right. Big. Yeah. And and so for me, it's like with bow hunting, it's like I just I realized that after years of failing, I was like, I'm not a bed hunter. Like, that's not my game. Like, I hunt bedding areas, but I'm not like a guy that's going to set up 80 yards off of bed very often and get it right, you know? And so it was just, you know, finding the thing that worked for me, especially on the amount of time that I have, like to hunt, like what is going to put me in the chips during hunting season most frequently. Right. And so I just kind of doubled down on that stuff. And then I started finding like repeatable patterns, you know, of like places of like, all right, what trees do they like to make scrapes under typically in certain areas? What terrain features am I typically finding them in? And then I just kind of look on a map and I start finding that stuff, you know, and then I just beeline it to those places, you know, or I'll find a scrape line while I'm walking somewhere and I'm like, boom, I just start following it. Right. And like, if I look as I'm walking, I make it a couple hundred yards and I look on my map and be like, oh man, that's leaving, leading to a terrain feature that typically is where I find, you know, community scrapes. Or it's like, I'm looking around going, oh man, I know in, in this area, like there's always typically scrapes under beech trees. Right. And I'm looking around going, man, I'm getting into a bunch of beech trees. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just stuff like that. And it's just, from doing it off often enough, you know, and messing it up often enough. I mean, you know, hours of making bad choices has got you a black belt. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? It's yeah. like, it's the same thing with, it's the same thing with scouting and stuff. It's like hours of being wrong, you know, and spending miles walking, you know, got me dialed in as to like what I look for, you know, it's just time and persistence is it, you know? I, I definitely do feel like in the, the past, four years that I've been doing like out of more out of state stuff. I, mm -hmm. I've learned, I've learned more in the past three years than I've learned in the past 15 years, yeah. you know, as far as deer hunting goes, yeah. just, just from changing up what I was doing, you know? Yeah. hundred um, percent. Yeah. I definitely, I, I, yeah, I'm starting, I don't know. I'm, hearing you talk about your, your cross joke though, I'm starting to think I might be a blue belt cause I don't really have it. <laughs> I don't have any particular <laughs> style that I feel like is like, this is my go-to. This is where I have the most success. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's for me. It, it, but at the same time, it's like, I'm always trying to expand that and learn, you know, and you're hundred percent right, man. Like the, when I started traveling out of state more frequently, uh, or when I just made that a thing, um, that was when I noticed a big, a big change. And the biggest change for me was actually, and I've told, I've said this before is actually when I went to Iowa and did that Iowa hunt, you know, public land, but target rich environment, regardless, you know, there's not a 180 around every tree. Like everybody thinks like it, the hunting's not hunting Pennsylvania, but it's not like you just walk outside and kill a deer like, you know, and immediately, um, because I was able to spend a lot of time watching mature deer do mature deer things. Like that was the biggest education I got and just like reading their sign and how they reacted because whether you're in PA, Michigan, New Jersey, whatever the case is, you know, when you're seeing deer, like you're seeing pressured deer, like they're, they're acting the way we know them to act in the places that we hunt them because they have, you know, these things that they're dealing with, with pressure and, and people and, and stuff like that. But when you go somewhere like an Iowa or something like that, where you don't have, there's, it's not like it's pressure free. Cause that's also a, a myth. 
but it's not nearly as pressured. And so the deer just are more in their environment doing deer things. And, you know, it might take, I might see two mature deer all season in Pennsylvania and that in, those encounters collectively together, if I'm lucky, might, at, might last three minutes, you know, that I get to see them and watch them. And then that's it, you know, but while I was in Iowa, I literally had probably five to six seasons worth of mature deer encounters that I got to watch and just observe them do what they do, how they use the wind and like how they enter areas and stuff like that. And that was the big thing that changed a bunch of stuff for me was that one trip. Like, and it was just paying attention to it. You know, it's like, cause I was there to hunt as much as I was like, and I, it wasn't like I knew this from the rip, but when I got there and I started watching, like I quickly realized like, man, aside from trying to fill a tag and bring a deer home, the other thing I can bring home is like a better understanding of how mature deer want to behave. Right. And that was like a huge change for me that, that changed that like people say game changer all the time. And I hate that term, but that was literally a game changer for me. was that one hunt and it wasn't filling a tag. It was actually all the stuff that I got to see in the fact that it took me all 16 days to fill that tag because I spent all 16 days hunting, you know? So yeah, that was, so I'm always an advocate of like, man, go hunt places, but like do yourself a favor and go hunt at least one time somewhere where you're going to see a lot of mature deer, like in their, in like a very kind of, just see how they act. They were, you know, a calm environment and just, and to be able to watch them because you will see them do things that you've never seen them do before. And you're like, Oh, that's what they do. You know what I mean? Oh, and and you get more comfortable having just being around bigger deer is very important. Yeah. You know, like there was a good, a good example this year that deer in Kansas, it was just like I had between Iowa and there. And even when I was in Missouri, like the encounters with the bigger deer that I had, like it wasn't like that was the first time I'd seen After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That's mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. A big deer. You know what I mean now? First time I drew on one. Uh, actually, that's not true either. It was like the second or third time I drew on a big deer. But it wasn't like I saw his rack and was like, you know, shitting myself. It was yeah, like, yeah. you know, it was, I was excited, but I was able to kind of pull my stuff together and get the job done. But, you know, and I don't know that I could say that if I hadn't seen big deer prior to that either, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But and that's, that's where I, I've noticed, uh, honestly, competing and competing and having a deer in front of you, like just learning how to like calm yourself down when everything feels like chaos. Uh, there's a huge correlation there. Oh my know? God. Yeah. Like, That's where like it's having long, having long jujitsu matches or having days where you have five, six jujitsu matches in a day. And it's like, that's a lot of minutes of adrenaline that you're living in and mm-hmm. thinking and operating with, you know, and it just translates so well to having, uh, having a shooter in front of you, you know? Yeah. No, I gave full credit to the stuff that I do at the gym for the reason why I killed that deer. Like my hunting and paying attention and, 
understanding the area that I was hunting and the glassing and stuff like that put me in position, you know, put me in the spot, the right spot with the deer. But the reason why that deer got killed ultimately, and I said it in the first podcast I did with it and any of the other podcasts that I've done about it was that jujitsu actually killed that deer because I was starting to come unglued. And I remember just like telling myself like what I would tell myself whenever I'm rolling with like one of my purple belt buddies that are going to kill me. You know what I mean? It's like, and they pass my guard and I'm getting crushed and I'm, and it's miserable. And I just have to tell myself for a second, like, all right, calm down. You've been here before. Like, what's your plan? You know what I mean? Like just start working a plan, you know, whatever, whatever it is, get your friend. Yeah. Get a buggy choke (laughs) with my short athletics. That ain't happening. (laughs) But uh, the, uh, but you know, it's like, you know, get my frames in, do all the, you know, be technically sound, like, you know, do the, do the, do the fundamental things right, you know, and be consistent with them. Like we were talking about before. And that was what that deer, it was like, all right, calm down, get drawn. you like, you know, when you need to draw, you know, here's your shot opportunity. You know, it was just all that stuff. I was able to kind of go through and actually, actually remember all of it. Right. Cause I think that's the other thing. Like people will do these things and it's like completely black out. Right. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. And have no recollection of what the hell happened, you know? Yeah. And if the deer ends up dead, good for them. But I'm like, and I've done that. I mean, every deer up until that last one was like a autopilot blackout. You know, this feels, was the feels, first, feels like a dream when you look back at it. You know? Yeah. This was the first one where it's like, I was present. Dialed. Yeah, yeah. Like for the whole yeah. thing and remember everything, you know? And that was, and that was part of it. And that's like, I'm so thankful for that because I'm able to kind of like, to me, it's like that that made me a better hunter. Like I know how to do that now. I can repeat that. I can stay in the moment, you know? I I, I didn't get that far like competition wise until like well into my purple belt where I could actually like walk out on the mat, be like in a competition setting and be able Hmm. to think straight function, even laugh (laughs) and make jokes and stuff during a match, like stuff like that. Like I could never imagine doing earlier on, you know? Yeah, it was like, did you wrestle or anything growing up? No, I didn't. No. no. So I, I started I started jujitsu when I was 19, uh, 18. Uh, okay. And then, um, but I didn't, I, I competed a lot and didn't do well. It took me a long time to get, uh, to even win a match. I didn't win a match until I was a blue belt oh, wow. competing, you know? Hmm. And then uh, even at blue belt, I, didn't, I won two matches. My last two blue belts, my, my last two matches at blue belt were my first and second wins ever. Oh, wow. Wow, and then uh, purple belt, I kind of start started to hit my stride, and then brown belt was brown belt was awesome. Now mm-hmm. black belt is kind of <laughs> rough, right? Well, you're you're the you're the low man on the totem pole again. That's why it's always like yeah. funky. Like when yeah. you get that you get that belt promotion and you go to another tournament, it's like I'm like you know because I'm a blue belt now, and I'm gonna do. I think my next tournament's gonna be in April. That's what I'm targeting because I always like to do one Which around one? my. Uh, there's a grappling industries one here in Philly. Oh, or, I thought I thought you might be going to do Nashville Open. No, no, just there's a local one that always is around my birthday and I like to do it because it's kind of like one of those things where I'm a year older and I'm going to celebrate it by doing something really hard with some buddies. Yeah. Yeah. And this one will be at a new belt. And, uh, and then I usually blue belt is tough. Uh, yes, because it's not so common nowadays, but I do remember when I was a blue belt, it wasn't uncommon for someone to be a blue belt for seven years. So Mm -hmm. like, I remember like I was competing against people who have been blue belts longer than I've been training, you know? Yeah. And now I'm competing against people who are black belts longer than I've been training. Right. Uh, but what's <laughs> nice about what, what was best about Brown belt is if someone kicks your ass, he's not going to be there very long. Like Brown right. belt's the shortest belt, you know? So it's like, right. Like he's going to get his black belt soon and I won't have to worry about that guy ever again. You right. Know? And right. then you get your black belt and he's like, what's up? What's up? Dude? <laughs> <laughs> Remember me, bitch. <laughs> 
the uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing it because I usually have a barbecue afterwards. And since it's around my birthday, I have the guys over from from the gym and stuff like that. It's just like a way for me to celebrate doing another lap around the sun. Like whatever. It's funny. Like I don't mind competing. Um, I actually, it's funny. It's kind of a weirdo thing to do. And I started doing it a little bit with hunting too. It's like before I actually go out on the mat, you know, I'll be on deck or whatever, and I'll sit down along the edge, and I'll close my eyes and I'll just meditate while I'm sitting there. You know what I mean? And just think. I was re- I read a book <clears throat> last year and it was actually right before the last tournament I did. And it was <clears throat> a lot about, <clears throat> excuse me, about presence and being mindful and being able to kind of like still your mind and um, like amid chaos and stuff like that. And what it really talked about was, you know, not ignoring like feelings you have whenever things are bad, like when things are going poorly. Right. And it was more about examining those and understanding like where they're coming from and why they're there and, what is the root of them? And as people are listening, are like, Jesus, this can't turn into like a hippy dippy podcast. But uh, the, uh, but the thing, what the point was, was like, you know, typically it's like whenever you're going to do something like that, or even whenever you're getting ready to go bow hunting, like a big deer, you see a deer out like a hundred yards away or whatever. And you're watching him, you know, I would sit along the mat and I would just close my eyes and like, I could feel the anxiety, you know, like the, like the pre-match jitters or whatever, same thing, watching a deer, and, uh, and I would just start saying like, Hey, the anxiety is okay. Like, where's it coming from? It's because you want to perform well, like you want to do well, you know, why? Because you've trained hard, you know, and, and, and why not? It means a to- lot to you. Yeah. Right. And why not you today? And it means something to me, you know, it's not about other people. It's not about failing in front of other people. That's not what it is. It's because like, this means a lot to me and it's okay to have those feelings, you know, and it doesn't mean that I have to go win. It doesn't, has nothing to do with that. It's just about me overcoming my own my own mind and my own obstacles. Right. Yeah. And when With a I little did, bit of fear of getting injured in the process. <laughs> right. Right. And then, you know, and, and from that I was, you know, when I would hit the mat, it's like, <clears throat> I would be like freakishly calm. Like whenever I would go out and just be, that's where your wrestling might've took a little bit more of a role than you. hundred well, yeah, percent. You know? Yeah. Cause I wrestled all growing up and I would wrestle like would, open freestyle tournaments and stuff like that. So it's like, I've when been I was in a those. white belt, <laughs> it's like every person I competed against is a fucking wrestler. <laughs> they're they're like stone cold totally calm and i've been like throwing up in the bathroom like 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 i've been i've been grappling for six months and you've been grappling for 12 years how is this how is this fair how's this fair yeah yeah it's funny after that last tournament like the guys that i uh that i had beaten um i think i had seven matches that day and That's a lot. I remember I messaged you. You said you were doing a grappling industries and I was like, don't yeah. do both divisions. And you were like, I am. And I was like, have fun. Yeah. That's a lot of matches. <laughs> yeah. I did seven matches. I had five submissions and two by points is, is what See, it that's was. a good day though. Now mm-hmm. I've, we've had white belts where it was their first day. Or it was their first competition ever. And I'm like, do not sign up for both divisions. They do it anyway. Right. And they yeah. have eight matches. And I know a guy who he took eight L's in one day. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, I would never compete again if that is right. You know, but of course he 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 actually he's a badass. He he competes all the time now and he's doing really well. But nice. like sometimes it's like, dude, you you're gonna get you're gonna get your ass kicked eight times in one day when you could have got your ass kicked once and took that one lesson you learned and applied it to your do a tournament next week. Just do something to change what happened right. in that match before right. you go and do it eight more times. You're just you know. Yeah, it was. Uh, I got done and like I was sitting off to the side. Like tape took it was taking a tape off my fingers and all the guys came over and sat down next to me and uh well not all of them there was like four of them came over and sat down next to me a couple salty ones didn't want to talk to you 
Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, the one guy might have been salty. I'm not sure, but like the, a couple of them came over and sat down next to me, and they just looks at me. And the one guy goes, "Where the fuck did you come from?" Like, <laughs> just, and I was like, "What?" And he was like, "We've never seen you at any other tournament." Like, I was just, I was only like a two stripe white belt at that point. Yeah, and they were all like, you know, four stripe white belts, like on the verge of you know getting their blue belt or whatever. And they were like, and the one guy's like, I saw you come out with tape when you're like all your fingers taped. He's like, I knew I was fucked. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a white belt thing to say. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I remember, like, I remember I'd see people's ears when I was like a blue belt and I'm like, oh, he's got cauliflower. He's going to fuck me up. Yeah. And now yeah. Dude. Like I've, I've competed against some terrifying individuals and you lock up with them and they're just soft. You're like, oh yeah. You know, but you yeah. see them warming up and you're like, yeah. Right. All right. And I just told him, I was like, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I wrestled growing up, you know, and, uh, and I didn't go in the like beginner division. I went in like the, you know, the, the second division of the weight belt division, like the one where you, if you've had grappling experience, like, or whatever you have to yeah, do. Intermediate, so, I think it would yeah. have been. Yeah. And, um, or no, no grappling industries has a beginner and a novice. Yeah. I think yeah. novice is zero to six months and then beginner is. Yeah. A white yeah. belt. Yeah. 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 And, uh, which I like. I wish all I wish all tournaments had that. I wish they had that when I was a white belt. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then I just said I was like, and for my age too, I was like, they were like, I was like, I train like four days a week, and they're like, oh damn. And I was like, yeah. And, that's and, like we talked before. That, yeah. That's impressive for your age, and then you have kids, job, yeah. and all that. You know, that's pretty. That's tough. Not a lot of people. It not a lot of people have it in them to do that. It's yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah, you have I'm to just have a, a drive. Yeah, I'm lucky that the gym literally is two miles from my house. So it's real easy yeah, for me. Same. Real easy for me to yeah, it's real easy for me to get there. And you know, and for hunt I mean, even for hunting, man, it's like I have like a you know, uh a long term goal of being able to hunt the way I like to hunt for as long as I possibly can. I want to be able to do jujitsu for as long as I possibly can. And so I prioritize taking care of my body whenever I have days off. So it's like I cold plunge, I sauna. I lift, I do yoga, sleep, you know, I, yeah, I go to bed and I get, you know, seven and a half hours, you know, seven to eight hours of sleep a night. You know what I mean? Like I prioritize all that because it just helps with my recovery, helps me feel good, you know, helps me overcome injuries a little bit more quickly and stuff like that. And so I do all the stuff that I, you know, all the stuff that I can. And then like our gym's kind of notoriously tough. Like, it's just like, there's a bunch of good dudes that, that train there, you know, and it's just like, and so whenever you're a white belt and most of your rounds at the gym are with purple belts, you know, and yeah, brown belts yep. and like high level blue belts that com- that compete and you're going to get good fast. Yeah. And a couple black belts, you know, that, that you've become friends with. So they kind of took you under your wing and help you. It's like, yeah, man, it's like all of a sudden you start getting, you know, those guys are also a lot less likely to hurt you too. So you're it's easier on your body, believe it or not. hundred percent or better. hundred percent. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like oh. that, that is so true because I'm very like, I'll go roll with any black belt, any size. I don't care. Like there's a one guy that I, I roll with. He's, uh, I think the last time I talked to him, he was like 284. He's a, he's a, yeah, that's a big boy. He's a bodybuilder. Like he's huge. Yeah. He do full splits. He's a one stripe. You know, he's, he's a first degree black belt and I roll with him and I'm, I feel the safest rolling with him out of anybody. Yeah. You know? And cause it's just like, he's so smooth with his technique. Nothing's herky jerky, you know? And I yep. learn it and I learn a ton from him. You know, and, it's and he knows great. how to not squash you because he's, he, he's probably squashed a few people when he was a, a, a blue right, belt. <laughs> right, right, exactly. You know, and so, you know, it's just, it's, you know, it's been a good, it's been a good run, uh, 
a good, a good run there. I enjoy it, you know, and it helps me, you know, it, it's helped me. Would I be as into it as I am if it didn't help me deer hunting? Probably, but there's a part of me that thinks maybe not quite as into it. But the fact that like it, it bleeds over and helps me with that and has actually made me better at that. It's like, man, like I won't, I'll you never, never probably stop. expected it when you first walked into the gym. You probably never expected to never be saying that it was the furthest thing from my mind. You know, I mean, I think the thing was, and I think this is good with anything, whether it's bow hunting or whatever. I went into it with an open mind of like, I don't know what this could impact, you know, like, I don't know how this might change things, you know, but I'm open to it. Um, and because I was open to it, I could quickly start to see the ways that it was impacting other aspects of my life, you know, hunting being one of them. And then it made me look at hunting differently too, you know, where it was like, I've never been that open about hunting. Hunting was always like a very, um, I don't want to say selfish thing. Cause it still kind of is for me, especially, especially bow hunting, but I wouldn't pay attention as much to like the ways that it enriched my life as, as uh, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. I always knew that it enriched my life in ways outside of just the hunt, but I see even more ways now that it enriches my life outside of the hunt than I did before. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. You know, so, but dude, how do you balance? Like, cause it, it was, it was tough for me. It's tough for me during hunting season to kind of re- hit the balance of like getting out to hunt, getting gym time in. Cause I'll be honest with you, dude. Like if I train like Friday night, like it's hard for me to get up Sunday morning or Saturday morning to go hunt. <laughs> like just cause yeah. I'm dog shit tired, you know? And then sometimes I'm a little sore trying to pull the bow back. Isn't quite the, uh, isn't, isn't so easy or isn't, isn't as easy as it should be. So how do you balance everything during the season? Uh, can I, can I take a piss really quick and I'll tell you? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Sorry about that. Sweet. I had a large Tim Hortons. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So <laughs> I was trying to be tough. Right. Um, so we were, what we were talking about was balancing like hunting with training, you know, and, and how you kind of strike that balance. Cause it's, it's, it's a challenge for me. Like I got lucky this year because I filled the tag early. So I didn't have to balance quite as much as I typically would. Yeah. You're local. You're, Cause you guys, are you guys one, one, uh, one buck state or two? Yeah. One buck. One, yeah. See, we're two, so yeah. Uh, I wish we were one, but uh, yeah. For me, what I do is in during deer season, I kind of, I used to honestly, I used to, I would go hunt the morning, and then I would go to competition class at eleven o'clock, mm. and like I would what wake up at four, drive an hour, hunt as long as I can, drive an hour back, and then go step on the mats when I was in my twenties. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm in my thirties, um. Last, I think two seasons ago, I kind of made a rule for myself, like two days a week during hunting season. And honestly, this year, once once you start to get run down, like I usually lose like ten to twelve pounds every hunting, hmm. which some some people gain weight. I I lose weight during hunting season because I'm just not eating like I'm used to. I'm burning right. a lot of calories, but uh, I made a rule for myself: no more than two days a week during hunting season. And then this year, when the rut went, like during the rut, I went down to one day a week and. Hmm. Honestly, that I didn't like that because my one day a week was comp sessions. Mm. So I'm not only am I going against, we're going hard in the comp sessions. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I don't think my body was limbered up. Like I just wasn't accustomed to the movements. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think I got, I got a, I got some work to do as far as finding the sweet spot goes, you know, right. but yeah. really it is, I, I have to dial it down during hunting season or I'm going to hurt myself. You know, and I, I don't take, I don't take matches during hunting season anymore. 
um, mm-hmm. unless it's something really important. Like I right. usually do Nogi Worlds every year, which is in December. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of times, uh, what is it? December 19th or something like that, I think. Mm-hmm. December 12th, usually it falls on one of those weekends. I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of building back up by that point, you know. I'm still mm-hmm. duck hunting a lot, but uh, right. I definitely, uh, yeah, don't don't compete during hunting season. I guess would be a good balance. Right. Yeah. It's a uh, yeah. There's definitely an aspect of it to like detraining. You know what I mean? To where like your body gets detrained to a point to where because I remember when I hurt my shoulder and uh, I was going to physical therapy. You know, to trying to get back to be able to shoot a bow and. Um, cause that was my only goal. I was like, I just want to be able to shoot my bow by the time, like my regular bow, by the time, you know, bow season comes in and, uh, <clears throat> went to, you know, work the physical therapist and he's a brown belt. So he knows, you know, what I need and stuff oh, like that's that. Perfect. Yeah. 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 He's awesome. And, uh, his name's Artem. I'll just give him, give him a shout out. Uh, good dude. And, uh, he, uh, I asked like, you want me to stop? He's like, well, I know you're not going to stop training. He's like, so we don't even have that discussion. He's like, you know, we train through injuries all the time. He was like, but I need you to scale it back for me. So I don't have to like, you know, basically reprimand you and say, Hey, like you got to stop. You know, he's like, I don't want you to stop entirely. He's like, because you're more likely to get hurt again, going back. He's like, if you detrain too far, he was like, I need you to like be smart, not like hurt yourself. Know when you've had enough, let's scale back the live rounds, you know, let's scale back your bow shooting right to, you know, gave me kind of a regimen to follow. He's like, cause I just don't want you to detrain to the point to where you're having another injury after you kind of go back full time and then you're back seeing me again for something else, you know? So that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm going through. So I have a, I have a shoulder problem as well. And, uh, I know pretty, it was bugging me all of hunting season. And in those, like in those comp sessions that I was still doing during hunting season, I was trying to dial it back, but I don't know. I think part of it might be being a black belt. Everybody wants wants to take your fucking head off when you train with them you know (laughs) but like honestly i i was like talking with my wife about it she's a personal trainer you know Mm -hmm. and i'm like i honestly think that if i dial it back too far i'm more at risk of getting injuries because i'm letting people pass my guard i'm getting smashed more people are getting on my arms more whereas Mm -hmm. if i was just if i was going 60 percent instead of 40 I wouldn't be getting put in these bad positions and getting my arm cranked on and stuff. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, yeah. it's almost like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't as far as scaling the back goes sometimes. Yeah. But if you got the right training partners and they know, problem is, is I don't like, I don't know, you don't like telling people when you're injured either because you don't want them right. to feel like they, you know, you don't want to inconvenience them by like, oh, don't, don't attack either of my arms, but let's roll. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, no, I did tell the guys like at first, you know, and it was just like, Hey, got a bum, got a bum shoulder, you know? And my one buddy, like, he's just like a, a maniac with Kimuras, like from everywhere. And so he just like, he didn't hit me with a Kimura for probably like six months, you know? And then yeah. I was like, Hey, yeah. I was like, I'm good. Like I'll just tap. I'm good enough now. It's still like not a hundred percent, but I'll just tap. Like, so you do what you're yeah. going to do. And if I feel like I'm in danger, like I'll tap before you even get my arm, before you even get my arm out, I'm tapping, you know? And so I just, I just adhered to the idea of like tap early, tap often during that. Cause, and I'm still a little stubborn with that, you know? Um, but I, I've, I've listened to, I've listened to you talk about your shoulder injury and I think our injuries are actually kind of similar. Mm-hmm. And I found that mine isn't as much as people attacking the arm. It's what I'm doing. Um, mm-hmm. Framing, framing. And then I found, uh, I do a lot of loop chokes. So your hand mm-hmm. in the collar and you're flaring your elbow up like that. Yeah. 
So yep. I'm playing knee shield and I'm flaring this arm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found out that, that was kind of what was hurting me. So when I roll with people, I literally, I just can't do certain things and I'm starting to find a balance. You know, yeah, but yeah, if so, you could you could armbar this arm, you could more this arm, but if I try to frame too hard with you, or if I post on a takedown or something, that's when it that, really starts. That to get was aggravated. the same. That was the same thing. Like I couldn't like I couldn't use it to push off. Like even when I would shrimp, like I couldn't get up on top of it or anything. Like it was just yep. you know it it was like I was roll. I mean, it, for a good solid three at least three months, I rolled with one arm basically. You know, like and where I just it couldn't was use like it. the back of your shoulder underneath your yep. scapula, kind of like your rhomboid yep. or your trap. Yep. Right. Yeah. You yep. got a big old knot right there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, mine's I've tried, got all I've tried, I've tried everything. I, yeah. I had a, I mean, it was, a, I separated my AC joint cause I fell on it and that's kind of what's kicked it oh, all yeah, off. That's bad. Yeah. Yeah. That, that kicked it all off because that shoulder already had a torn labrum to start with. And so, and then okay. once I separated the AC joint, then it flared everything else up. And then it went from that to like, you know, AC joint kind of creeps into your neck. And so it was just like a, a mess. And, and then, I, then you can't turn your head for a couple of days after training kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I will say that, you know, the cold, cold plunges, sauna, like I saunted, like I cold plunged yesterday when I got home from training because I was pretty sore because my hips jacked up right now. I don't know what I did to it. And then, you know, did some stuff after I, my body warmed up on its own, got a shower or whatever. Then I jumped in the sauna for like yeah. a half for like 20 I need, minutes i need to get a sauna i got a hot tub i need to get a sauna i i, yeah. I do i love i love doing ice baths but i don't like doing them in the winter time man <laughs> yeah I, I just stuck mine in my garage so i could regulate it a little bit <laughs> like, yeah yeah I, ke- I i used to keep it in the basement during the winter but now i just don't use it in the winter time like right. summertime right. I'll, I'll fucking hop in the coldest ice bath i don't care but <laughs> right yeah <laughs> the, exactly when it's cold outside it's tough nice. you know so, man, we've been chopping it up here for, you know, getting close to an hour and 20 minutes. I want to be sensitive to your time. But I did want to ask you, I, I don't know what made me think of this. Um, I was sitting on the couch before you and I started and I was just watching videos of whatever. I remember what I was watching. It started making me think of like guilty pleasures. Right. And so I want to know, last question, what is your guilty pleasure music that that nobody knows about, but whenever no one's around, what do you, what do you listen to? That's like a guilty pleasure that you would like not want anybody to know. I'll tell you mine after I'll tell you my two after you tell me yours. Here's the problem. I listen to a lot of weird music and I usually just put it on my playlist when I run class. And, mm-hmm. but anybody who knows me knows that probably, uh, like I listen to some ICP, you know? Yeah. Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> Insane Clown Posse. Yeah. yeah. They're from Detroit, yeah, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm a closet juggalo. That would be nice. one of them, probably. And then, uh, yeah, I get weird, man. Nice, <laughs> nice. I love it. I love it. So my two guilty pleasures are for music is um, Hall & Oates. That's like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> way <Oates>. different. <laughs> yeah. Hall and Oates. I will throw that on, like have a fire out around, like in the fire pit in the, in the spring, summer or fall, like outside in the evenings or whatever on a weekend. And like, I always tell the wife, like, hey, throw some Hall & Oates on. I'll just sit and hang out and have a cigar and drink a beer, listen to the hollow notes. And then <laughs> the other one is, is a seal seal. Yeah. yeah. Just cause that dude's yeah. voice, man. Like, I'm just like, damn, that guy can sing. You know what I mean? So <laughs> those are my two, those are my two guilty pleasures. You know, and I'm sure someone's going to kill me for this later, but awesome, yeah. man. <laughs> Before I let you get out of here, dude, I'm going to let you go listen to some, to some ICP, but let people know where they can follow along with you and, and check out what you have going on, like the rest of the duck season and, and you know, and next hunting season and stuff. 
Yeah, I, I kind of I got two Instagrams, uh, Stevie Starlight and uh, Starlight Outdoors. Starlight Outdoors is kind of like I post a little bit more hunting stuff, and the other one is uh, more of my jujitsu stuff. <laughs> uh, thinking about starting an outfitter, that's kind of why mm-hmm. I started the Starlight Outdoors. Mm-hmm. Like one day that might transition into something, but mm-hmm. uh, another place you could find me is uh, I am a frequent uh, guest on the Times Up Times Up Outdoors podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so cool. uh, the they're uh, group of four Detroit firefighters. Uh, they're, they're the guys that I kind of travel and hunt with a lot. I'm not, I'm nice. not officially part of their gang, but, uh, you know, we, we do a lot of stuff together. So definitely awesome. check them out. So. Awesome, man. Killer buddy. I appreciate you coming on dude. And, uh, hopefully one day I'll make my way to Michigan and we'll, uh, we'll catch a roll. Oh, definitely, man. Same. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, we need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, and Genesee Beer. And until next time, we'll see y'all. Oh,